This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. And I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what God says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. So I'm taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. We're in this series on the miracles of the New Testament. And we're just doing our best to walk down through them in chronological order. Today, we're dealing with Jesus heals a centurion's paralyzed servant in Capernaum. It's recorded in Luke chapter 7, verses 1 to 10, but my favorite is Matthew 8, 5 to 11. And so that's where we'll be today. And we just happen to have a testimony of a miracle that ties into the message this morning. And Sue's going to share that. So we just received this testimony, and it's awesome. And this uh, dad, this husband and father from the church writes, pastors, I wanted to share about a healing testimony we recently experienced a few weeks ago. A good friend of ours called me at the end of the day upset, and he asked me to pray for the healing of his mom. His mom went to the hospital a few hours before when was having a nonstop severe seizure-like episode. She had no history of this in her health prior. For about four hours straight, straight, she had been shaking unconsciously with her eyes and mouth wide open, unable to hear or respond to anyone. Her body had gone completely limp. I got an agreement in prayer with him as he was also confessing the word over her and got off the phone. I immediately called my wife and told her I felt that I needed to go lay hands on her and also be there as a support for him since he was there alone at the time with just his dad and was pretty shaken up. I began driving and confessing the word over his mom. As I was driving to the hospital, my friend called again knowing I was on my way and told me due to the severe nature of the situation, they would not allow me to go to her room. I told him I'd come anyway and be down stairs. I called my wife to let her know what was going on and that I was still going. She said, let's be in agreement right now that she will wake up. And that's what we did. She also asked if we should let Pastor Austin know since he knew my friend. And I said, no, not now. It's late. And we know how to pray. I told her I couldn't go in the room, but that didn't matter. To get word on the situation, we then talked for a moment about the Roman centurion in Matthew 8, who believed Jesus would heal his servant without having to go all the way to his house physically. He knew Jesus had the authority to just say the word and his servant would be healed. I said to my wife, surely I have as much faith as a Roman centurion. I may not be able to go lay hands on her physically, but we don't even need to do that. We will just speak the word and she will be healed. I got to the hospital and walked up to the building and from the parking lot, I pointed at the building and in a loud voice, I simply said her name and commanded her to wake up in the name of Jesus. I walked in the lobby and texted my friend. I was there, and there was no rush to come down. I'd be there when he needed me. Ten minutes later, I saw him come down the hall with tears in his eyes, and the first words out of his mouth were, my mom woke up. Praise God. (laughs) Praise God. He began to tell me a few minutes later that, excuse me, he began to tell me a few minutes after I got there that she woke up 
asked for a drink, and was completely aware of her surroundings and talking. Praise the Lord. God touched her body, and she was healed. It was truly a miracle, and God confirmed his word. We rejoiced together, talked a few minutes, and I told him to get back to his mom, and he didn't need me there anymore. My wife and I were not the only people praying over her, and God gets all the glory. Yet I wanted to share the power of taking action on the word and the power of praying the prayer of faith over someone. We also got an agreement that she would have no brain damage or any side effects from this. Two days later, she was released from the hospital and the scans on her brain showed no damage. She was made completely whole and now a few weeks later is better than ever and back to life as normal. Praise God. My friend told me later he's never witnessed a more tangible healing ministry miracle. He's never witnessed a more tangible healing miracle in his life. Praise God for his healing power, and thank you, pastors, for teaching us how to exercise our faith and how to pray. All the glory goes to God, and we praise him for it. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. So, you know, when we, we do a series like this on the miracles of the New Testament, there's almost two automatic perspectives. One is to say, oh man, that, that's so wonderful that that happened 2,000 years ago. I wish I was there. And the other is to study what Jesus said, study what happened in the book of Acts, and then go do our job. Amen. Wednesday night I made a mistake and said in the last few verses of John's gospel, it was the last few verses of Mark's gospel, it says, they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. And of course, you've got a bunch of the church and they say, well, <laughs> you know, that all went out when the last apostle died. There's nowhere in the Bible that says the last apostle died. Amen. And uh, that's nonsense. And then also, he didn't just send out the 12, but then he sent out the 72. Amen. And the Bible says... Again, toward in the last few verses of Mark's gospel, and these signs shall follow them that believe. It doesn't say these signs shall follow apostles. It doesn't say these signs shall follow prophets. It says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Now, I'm going to say a few things that are incendiary, but that's okay, you're used to it. We, we got a whole bunch of the church uh, bowing down to the abortion God. We got a whole bunch of the church bowing down to the alternate lifestyle God. We got now a whole bunch of the church bowing down to uh, the demonic activity of cutting. We've got a whole bunch of the church bowing down to uh, COVID. It's become its own cult. Churches are actually doing what they call faith shot Sundays, you know. Uh, then they, it's inevitable you do, you do that, you're your crowd's going to go down. Amen. That's, and we don't want to get into the medicine of it, but that's not how you grow. That's how you diminish. And uh, so these are, these are worse than snipe hunts. What's a snipe? There's no such thing. My cousins took me on a snipe hunt one night when I was a little boy and my uncles laughed and laughed and laughed about that. It's worse than that because they're bowing down to false gods. Okay, and then also, the next thing is, because 
crazy people are so vocal and because they control the media, they, they dominate social media, we get in our heads that everybody out there but me is crazy. Well, that's not the way it is because this revival springs up in Kentucky and people are flying in from all over the world. So I think a lot of what, what's going on, it's very real, but I think we have the illusion that it's the majority. It's not. And let me tell you something else. More than any generation that I know about, this generation is hurting. They're hurting. The suicide rate among teenagers is higher than it's ever been. People are hurting, and they need Jesus. And you're the answer. Because these signs shall follow them that believe. It doesn't say these signs shall follow apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors. These signs shall follow them that believe. And many years ago, I was standing in a, or I was sitting in a champion builder group, and a man asked me a very interesting question. I've never been asked this question before or since, but he said, so... When, when you took all your life savings and you laid it on the line to pioneer this church, all the profit from your, the sale of your first house after tithes, and, uh, and you ventured out, he said, what was the predominant factor in that decision? And I've never been asked that before or since. I said, well... I said, the bottom line is this. The way I'm hardwired, I looked down the road and I told Sue that I could not live with myself wondering what would have been. And that's the way we need to see this when we have people around us and they're sick and they're in, they're in distress if they have an incurable disease, don't be afraid of incurable diseases because there's nothing to lose at all. I said there's nothing to lose at all. And actually, <laughs> my experience has been God loves to take care of incurable diseases because nobody can give anybody the credit but him. Hallelujah. You know, the Lord is less likely to help us if it's some situation where somebody could get the credit. He wants the credit, the glory, and the honor. My point is, make yourself useful to God. Amen. Be about the king's business and be about the king's work. If you will be about his business and if you will be about his work, he'll take care of your business and he'll take care of you. Amen. Now, I know in 2023, we have to be prudent. We have to be shrewd about how we conduct ourselves. But I want to be a witness for Jesus. And I want to be used by the Lord in however much time we have left. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get a better amen? amen? Now, we're marching down through the miracles of the New Testament. One of my fathers in the faith, Fred Price, taught us that when we read the Bible... We should look for patterns and principles. 
And he said, once you see a pattern, once you see a principle in the Word of God, you can implement that pattern or that principle over and over and over again in your life. So we're walking through the miracles of the New Testament looking for patterns and principles. If God's people could learn to look for and then apply the patterns and principles from the Word of God to their personal lives, we'd hardly have an unmet need and we would hardly have any physical problems at all. Now, every Sunday, I'm tempted to say, and now we come to one of my favorite miracles in the Bible. Well, this is certainly one. Matthew 8, verse 5, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, that was where his base was, his base of operation. And when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Now, we're kind of blind to this, but if the Lord tarries... <laughs> The Lord, the Lord says things to me, and I wonder if it's too much information. Uh, but <laughs> we got nothing to lose. So if the Lord tarries, the United States of America will be occupied. Because we just don't have enough woke troops to combat the Chinese. They have the largest air force in the world. They have the largest navy in the world. And what we got in hardware and personnel is just not going to get it done. So imagine the United States of America has been conquered by China and a Chinese troop, trooper, commander of a hundred would be maybe a master sergeant level, uh, comes for prayer at Faith Christian Center. Are we going to be happy about that? Are we going to say, Lord, surely you don't expect me to lay hands on this guy, right? I mean, I want you to, I want to make it real that this was a member of the occupational army. This was an enemy of Israel. This was... <laughs> Uh, uh, someone that would have been looked down upon in Jewish culture in those days. A commander of 100 men in the occupational Roman army. Now, now somebody might say, Pastor, you worried about that? No, 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 no. I'm going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb when a lot of that stuff happens. And I would highly recommend you go with me. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the coming of the Lord, the parousia of the Lord from the Latin Vulgate, the rapture of the church. I, I'm, I'm not afraid of trouble, but I sure enough like missing trouble. Can I get an amen? amen? Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Now, what kind of man, Jew or Gentile, would be so concerned about a servant? A servant. And how did, he, how did he even know to come to Jesus? Well, he must have heard about Jesus because Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, unlike the woman with the, well, actually the same as the true with the woman with the issue of blood. We don't know how she heard. But you understand in those days, I mean, they were looking for the Messiah, but when, when the Messiah showed up, of course, the religious leaders were opposed to him because of the crowds. They were jealous, John's gospel says. 
and he wasn't what they expected. What did they expect? They expected a great military leader. What did they get? They got a baby in a manger. This generation is expecting a, a baby in a manger, and they're going to get a military figure. But that's after the Great Tribulation. We'll be a part of that. Anybody here saved? Anybody here born again? We will be part of the host of heaven that returns to planet earth with the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. So we don't know how the centurion had heard about Jesus, but he must have. Otherwise, he wouldn't have come to Jesus for help. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, I want you to see the heart of God. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. Immediately, instantly, Jesus offered to go and heal that servant. Now, coming up in June, I will have been preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ 50 years. And I've been a little hopeful, falsely, that preachers would get off of this thing of Sometimes it's God's will to heal and sometimes it's not. That's how can anybody with an honest perspective read the four gospels and come to that conclusion? Because here's an example, a, a Roman, an enemy of Israel comes to Jesus and he's not asking for prayer for the governor or one of his superior officers or somebody important but he's asking for prayer for a servant and instantly and immediately Jesus offers to go and heal that servant. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. So you want to know the will of God? That's the will of God. Amen. Immediately, instantly, Jesus said, I will go and heal him. Verse 8, the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Now, I'm going to make a couple of hard statements here. We live in a generation of rebellion. And I want you to see, people come to me all the time and they say, Pastor, how, how should I pray about this? <laughs> Somebody came to me the other day and said, Pastor, how am I supposed to pray for this president? I said, look, I was there the night Kenneth Hagin said he had no idea how in the world to pray for Bill Clinton. And I said, if, if he didn't know how to pray for Bill Clinton, I don't know how to pray for this guy. And when he was led to pray for the president in those days, he prayed in the spirit because he had no idea how to pray. And I said, that's the best I can tell you. But it's, it's everywhere. And I want you to see, we cannot pray. We can pray that God will change it, but our prayers won't be affected because... These are calendar issues. And when you come to calendar issues, the course can't be changed. God bringing 
Israel out of the Holy Land under Moses. That was a calendar issue because God had given Abraham the years, the number of years, and so there was a schedule that had to be kept. You see the same thing with John, that he was baptized in the Spirit in his mother's womb. The hand of God was on him. See, that was a calendar issue because he had an assignment to prepare the way of the Lord. So there are times where if it's a calendar issue, you can't even pray about it. I mean, you can pray about it, but it, you're not going to affect anything because it's a calendar issue and we're headed in a direction. My point is that we live in a generation of rebellion. And what is one of the things the Apostle Paul calls the Antichrist? The man of lawlessness. So you got all this crime ramping up. I mean, it's horrific. You got, I don't know how many people ought to be in prison aren't in prison. I don't know how many people ought to be in insane asylums are not in insane asylums. I mean... There's, there's a spirit loose in the world. Look, the spirit of rebellion is so deep that people are rebelling against their own chromosomes. You got about 10 million cells in your body and every one of them tells you what you are. And you can dress up or do whatever but you cannot change one chromosome in one cell. Amen. Amen. But think about the level of rebellion it takes to rebel against your own chromosomes. And all of this, we're not judging anything. Our heart goes out to people because all of this is enmity of the serpent against the seed of the woman. And the whole agenda is kill them in the womb. Don't let them be born. And if they're born, wreck them in school. And if you can't do that, wreck them at the clinic. Amen. So that they will not be able to have a normal, productive life. And also, and this is monstrous, at any given point in time, Satan does not know who is going to be the next Amy Semple McPherson. He does not know who is going to be the next Billy Graham. He does not know who is going to be the next Marilyn Hickey. He does not know. And so his solution, like Herod's solution when Jesus was born, was kill them all. And the ones you can't kill, wreck them. Now, I want you to have a plain picture because faith is akin to submission to authority. I know authority's been abused. I know that submission to authority's been abused, but you have a brain. You're smart. That's not going to happen to you. Amen. But this man said, I, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Just say the word. Because I myself am a man 
He didn't say of authority. He said, I'm a man under authority. I say to this one, go and he goes. I say to this one, come and he comes. See, and Jesus was astonished. And Je this, man's this man's not talking about faith. This man's talking about authority. Right. But Jesus heard a discussion about faith. And Jesus said, I have not, the Bible says Jesus was astonished and said, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. Now listen, you have no idea. It is impossible for you as Gentiles to comprehend how offensive his next words are. Because he, say, he says in verse 11, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the subjects of the kingdom. Who's he talking about? The subjects of the kingdom. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jewish folks. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You as Gentiles have no idea how utterly offensive this was coming from this preacher we know him to be the messiah they some knew that some didn't some received him some believed some rejected because see they thought that they were the superior people and let me tell you what whether it's white or black or american or whatever it's always dangerous to think you're in the superior group. Because the, John came along, John the baptizer came along preaching, repent or perish, and people try and hide it, but then Jesus came along preaching the exact same thing, repent or perish. And this world has adopted uh, that pop psychology, socialist psychology from the 60s. I'm okay, you're okay. Nobody needs to repent. Nobody needs to turn. Nobody needs to change because we're all okay. Well, no, we're not all okay. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now listen, I'm gonna say a hard thing here. We got people right here this morning and you're, you're hiding and you're covering your sins. You cannot be forgiven by God covering and hiding your sins. You have to confess your sins, not to me, not to a priest, but to God, and you have got to repent and you've got to turn from your sins. And this is not just true of y'all, it's true of me, it's true of everybody, and nobody's in some kind, you know, our government's got all these protected classes, and basically, how do we understand protected classes? Well, everybody is in a protected class but Gene. <laughs> but you ain't in no protected class, I don't care what the government says, right. and you can't claim that you're adherence to this club or that ideology ideology or you can't claim that you being of such and such a race look none of that matters when you stand before the king of kings and the lord of lords no none of that matters when you stand in the presence of someone who is utterly holy Amen. repent or perish Amen. and then change the word repent means to turn about 
In our vernacular, we might say, do a 180, to turn, to change, to acknowledge that he is God and I'm not, and I violated his law. So he says these offensive words, I say to you that many will come from, I mean, they could not comprehend Gentiles sitting down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And think of how they opposed him in his day. Think about how the religious leaders caused him nothing but trouble in his day. Think about how it was the religious leaders that paid Judas 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus. He says, I say to you that many will come. Thank God, thank God, thank God the doors have been opened to the Gentiles. I, you're not, you're not getting it. I said, thank God, thank God, thank God. The doors of salvation have been opened to the Gentiles. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will make their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 13, then Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. So we see action. The centurion had to take action. I don't know about you, but I want that. Just say the word faith. Amen. Lift both hands, say it out loud. Father God, I want that. Just say the word faith. Say it again. I want that. Just say the word faith. So step number one, the centurion said it and Jesus said it. The centurion said it, verses eight and nine. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word. But just say the word, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go and he goes and that one, come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. And then Jesus said it. Verse 13, then Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. Number two, step number two, the centurion did it twice. The centurion did it twice. See, he was a soldier. He was, a, he was a, a man of action. He understood authority. He understood following instructions. Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, used to say that confession is not the only way we can take action on the word, but confession is one way we can take action on the word. So actually, the centurion did it twice. The centurion did it just by confessing that Jesus, if Jesus would speak the word over his servant, his servant would be healed. Verses 8 and 9 again, the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go and he goes, and that one, come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now, I want you to focus in on this sentence, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. That was a confession of faith. What is coming out of your mouth? Ask your neighbor, what is coming out of your mouth? Ask the neighbor on the other side, what is coming out of your mouth? And the centurion did it by taking Jesus at his word and going. 
Verse 13, then Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. Now, most people won't do that. Most people won't do that. They harass you and wear you out with worry and negative confession. I don't mean to be unkind. But people come to us and uh, we're gracious. And we give them time. They come to us maybe in the fellowship atrium and we're gracious and we give them time and they tell us all of their troubles. And frankly, some people have so many troubles it's hard for Sue and I to get our minds around, but we listen, we're patient, we're gracious. And inevitably, because we're students of the word, we give them homework. It's what we do. You know why we do that? Because we're not geniuses. We figure if Jesus did that, we ought to do that. And so we'll, we'll give people something to do. And then they come back and uh, they haven't done anything we told them to do, but then they want to tell us all their troubles all over again. This is not how progress is made, my friends. Progress is made. I mean, if, if, you, if you go to a man or a woman of, of God or someone you respect and they tell you that, uh, I, I hate to use any illustrations because, you know, then I'd be on somebody's toes. But if, if they give you some practical advice, like stop smoking joint, st stop smoking weed, you know, whatever. Stop drinking. Go home and throw the beer out. You know, stop hitting your wife, whatever. They give you an assignment. What is it about people? They, they, they don't want to do what you said. Then they want to come back and get a new prescription. <laughs> now, there's not anybody here does that at the pharmacy. Nobody here has ever gone to the pharmacy and picked up a prescription. And... Two weeks later, gone back and said, uh, this, this didn't work. And the pharmacists say, well, did you take them all? Did you take them on schedule? Did you take what? Did you follow instructions? No, I haven't taken a doggone one, but they don't work. <laughs> so I want to tell you about all my trouble all over again. Wow. No, nobody's ever done that. You've never done that to a doctor. You know why? Because church is free. Right. So people feel free to abuse us at free church. But when you go to the doctor, you got to pay. I know. I had to, I scratched my leg on a rusty barbed wire fence and I had to get a tetanus shot. It'd been 19 years since I had a tetanus shot. And uh, they come in there and they tell me, man, you got great insurance, it covers it. But before they left, they wanted 25 bucks. <laughs> I don't know if that was the greeter's fee or what that was, but. In other, words, in other words, your insurance covers everything. You got, so I have no idea what the insurance covered. But I'm just saying, we don't, go, we don't go to the doctor and say, well, I didn't take the medicine, but I know it doesn't work, and I want to tell you all about my issues again. But we do that at church. We do that with God. Now listen. I don't say these things to try and be harsh or judgmental, but I am a progression nut. You ask my family, my son-in-law my son is here, you ask my daughter-in-law, you ask anybody, I am a fanatic on, taking, on, on making progress. 
I guess it all goes back to when in 1989, God told me to save something every seven days, even if it was $5. So I saw that I don't have to make monster progress at any given point in time if I'll just make progress. So I got to keep making progress, man. Cash got to be going up. Debt's got to be going down. Say it out loud. Cash got to be going up. Debt's got to be going down. Amen. In other words, just if you make some progress, you just make some progress. You're going to get there if you just make some progress. But what is it that gets people stuck? And it's a refusal to follow instructions, and it is a refusal to take action. It's amazing to me. Now, now they're saying physical fitness is racist. I mean, every week I think we have hit the bottom, but there is no bottom, apparently. And what's that all about? It is this idea, and I'm bringing this up. I know exactly what I'm doing. Somebody might say, he, he's, uh, he's rambling. Never. I know exactly what I'm doing. In this culture out here, nobody wants to take responsibility for anything. And it completely sabotages this generation. You want a better marriage? Take action. You want a healthier body? Take action. You want to live longer than maybe your mom or dad did? Take action. Whatever we're talking about. You want to have more money next year than this year? So whatever we're talking about, you got to take action. So this whole thing out here right now that I ain't responsible for nothing sabotages people. It doesn't sabotage me because I'm taking action. I am an action-taking fanatic. So it doesn't bother me, but it bothers people. Now we come to it, and this is what people cannot do because he said go it will be done just as you believed it would. And most people won't do that. They harass you and wear you out with worry and negative confessions. Yeah, but let me tell you my troubles one more time. And we're patient and we're kind and we're gracious and we'll hear it. But that's, there's no victory in that. There's no victory in that. A few years ago, a long time Member of the church surprised me. I say surprised me because typically long-time members take us for granted. And he had a grandchild who was not making normal physical progress. And after a Sunday morning message, he brought that grandchild up to me and said to me, just say the word, man of God, just say the word, and she will be healed. Well, he said it, I said it, and he took me at my word, and he went away. In other words, he did it, and the Lord honored what he said, and the Lord honored what I said, and that grandchild was healed, and today that child is exceptional in every way. Glory, 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 glory. Step number three, the servant received it. This is where this idea came up in that testimony. You don't even have to physically be there for faith to work. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. Now, as I wrap up this message, I want to 
I want to point out two huge factors to this miracle. First, action is required. Say it out loud. Action is required. When Jesus said, go, it will be done just as you believed it would, action was required on the part of the centurion. So action is required. And second, this miracle is like so many others in the Gospels. This miracle was according to the centurion's faith. Now, we don't want to believe that. And that's where you get this whole thing, this preacher talk, that sometimes it's God's will to heal and sometimes it's not. My job is not to change the Bible to fit my lifestyle. My job is to change my lifestyle to fit the Bible. Amen. This miracle was according to the centurion's faith. Verse 13, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. Now, it's not Jesus' faith that gives action to the healing power that Jesus is anointed with. It is the individual's faith that gives action or activates the healing power that Jesus is anointed with. It's the faith of the individual who comes for healing that gives action, or we could say it this way, activates the healing power that Jesus is anointed with. But I want you to shift gears now, mentally in your mind, shift gears because we are no longer in the age of Jesus. If you had been alive back then in that three and a half years and you wanted to get healed or you wanted your servant healed or you wanted your child raised from the dead, whatever you wanted, you would have to go and find him wherever he was and he was in a human form. He was in a human body, which meant he was only at one place at one time. But you and I do not live in the age of Jesus. You and I live in the age of the Holy Spirit of God. And the power of God is present all the time everywhere. And we have missed this. Acts 17, 28 says, For in him we live and move and have our being. Doesn't matter where I am. In him I live and move and have my being. It doesn't matter where I am. I am in him. You know, in 2014, we went to Jerusalem, some other things, some of the places where Paul had preached and different things. And I've often thought about how great it was in the cool of the morning having coffee in Jerusalem. And I told her, so I want to do that again. She said, I'm not going back. And... Uh, I was out praying one day and I told the Lord, I said, I don't care what she says. I said, I'm in charge. I'm going back. <laughs> and the Lord spoke to me, son. That, he said, son, that, that's so nice that you want to go back and sit in, in Jerusalem and have coffee in the cool of the morning. But he said, I, I don't live there anymore. He said, I live in you. Amen. And he said, I have coffee with you every morning. Hallelujah. Oh man, it changed my thinking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, we've, we've not seen this, and we, or we saw it and we let go of it. Lift both hands, say, in him, in him. We, live we live and move and, move. and have, our being. have our being. Say it again, in him, in him. 
we live and move and have our being. So I don't have to go there to connect to God, and I don't have to go there to connect to God, and I don't have to go to some meeting somewhere to connect to God. In Him, we live and move and have our being. Now I'm going to give you a principle that will change your life, and here it is. Having established that we live in this age of the Holy Spirit of God, it's not Jesus' faith that gives action to the healing power of God that is present all the time everywhere. It is the individual's faith that gives action to the healing power of God that is present all the time everywhere. Let me, let me change a word here. I, I want to change a word here. It's not Jesus' faith that activates the healing power of God that is present all the time everywhere. It is the individual faith that activates the healing power of God that is present all the time everywhere. It is not Jesus' faith that activates the healing power of God that is present all the time everywhere. It is the individual's faith that activates the healing power of God that is present all the time everywhere. So it doesn't matter where we are. This is, these are not the days of Jesus where we had to go physically find Jesus, you know, in Capernaum or Jericho or wherever. No, we live in the age of the Holy Spirit. And he is present everywhere all the time. The power of the Lord is present everywhere. The power of God is present everywhere on the planet. This is why they could go forth and preach the word everywhere. The Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. Doesn't matter where you go, God's there. Doesn't matter where you go, God's there before you get there. You don't have to worry about, you know, praying God down. The old time Pentecostals, you know, they try and pray God down. Austin told the other Wednesday night, one morning in Kiev, T.L. Osborne told us, we don't preach the power out. We, we don't pray the power down. We preach the power out. So God, it's the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is the word of God preached that activates, stimulates faith. But it is the individual's faith that activates the power of God. So you don't, you don't, when, when you face a situation in your home, God's there. You can lay hands on a child. You can lay hands on a wife. You can lay hands on a husband. You can believe God wherever you are. Say it out loud. I got, I got the Holy Spirit in me, on me, and everywhere I go. So you don't even have to worry about the environment. Yeah, but you know, those people at work, they're the most ungodly people you ever came with. It doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit's there. Amen. Now, they completely ignore him, but the, as I know what I'm about to say is hard to believe, but the Holy Spirit's in Washington, D.C. They just don't pay him, no, never mind. But he's there. The power of God is present everywhere at all times for the healing of the sick and for meeting every need. Amen. And we have not seen this or we saw it, let go of it. But it's not the faith of Jesus that activates the power of God. It is the faith of the individual because Jesus said to this centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And why did I say a few minutes ago, what's coming out of your mouth? Because it's what's 
Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's what's coming out of your mouth that tells me and God what you're believing. Amen. Go. It will be done just as you believed it would. Now, oddly enough, I saw it in Numbers 14. <laughs> the scariest verse in the Bible, in my opinion. God was so angry with those people. <laughs> but I, I, took it, I, took a, I took a horribly negative verse and I turned it around. And I'm telling you what, <laughs> I, I became well off through it. Because he says there in Numbers 14, he says he was so angry with them. He said, I'm going to do to you the very things I heard you say. And it still to this day is the most frightening verse in the Bible to me. But I turned that thing around. I thought, well, rather than that being a negative in my life, I'm going to make that a positive. And so, <laughs> you know, I was pretty bold about it. I'd say the Lord my God's meeting all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And then I got bolder and I said, I'm being made rich in every way so that I can be generous on every occasion. And I'd be out there in the morning and I'd say, I'd say, uh, bring it on me, Father. Bring it on me. Do to me the very things you're hearing me say. Amen. Somebody might say, well, that's pretty bold. Well, that's what he said. If he didn't want me to know about it, he should never have said it. Amen. Tell your neighbor, the Lord's going to do to you the very things he heard you say. Well, see, for some that's good news and for some that's bad news. And if it's bad news for you, then stop saying what you've been saying and begin to say things based on the written word of God. Let's bow our heads. You may be here this morning and you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You're not saved. You're undone. You're in your sin. As we said in the midst of the message, repent or perish. And there's no protected classes. There's no group that skates because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many of this... Well, let me give you some verses. Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. He said in Revelation chapter 3, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. How many this morning would say, Pastor Gene, I've never, I've never asked God to forgive me of my sins. I've never confessed my sins to God in the name of Jesus. I've never invited Jesus Christ to come into my life as my Lord and my Savior personally and individually, but I want to do so this morning. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up, lift it up high enough to where I can see it. Pastor, I want to be saved. I want to be born again. Pastor, I want to be forgiven of my sins. I see that these are the end times and I sure don't want to be left behind. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up. We're going to pray. There may be people here this morning and you're away from God. You're not living for the Lord like you once did. There was a time in your life you prayed this kind of a prayer. You gave your life to God. You confessed your sins to God. You invited Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. But you've gone back to the old habits. You've gone back to the old lifestyle. You've gone back to the old ways of doing business. But the Word of God says, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many this morning want to come back to Jesus this morning? 
How many this morning? I said, how many want to come back to Jesus this morning? If you're here this morning and you want to recommit your life to God, lift a hand up. I want to see where you are. I want to pray with you. Yes, God bless you. Let's all stand. I want to give an opportunity for this young man to come and make his way to the front. If you raise your hand for either invitation, I want you to be bold about it. I want you to gather up your belongings, your possessions. I want you to join me here at the front. Ladies, especially if you have a purse, bring that with you because I don't want your mind on your stuff. Listen, this world is not bashful about identifying with crazy. If this world is not bashful about identifying with crazy, then we ought not be bashful about identifying with Jesus. So if you raised your hand for either invitation or if you didn't, but if the Spirit of God is calling you, yes, sir, right here. The Spirit of God is calling you, drawing you. I want you to make your way to the front. We're going to pray. All right. Everybody in the room and for the sake of those online, we're going to pray for these two young men. And aren't you glad God is gracious? I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but I don't ever pray for God's justice. I thank him for his mercy. I thank him for his grace. I thank you. Thank him for his loving kindness. Amen. Everybody in the room. And, and let's pray together for the, the sake of these two young men and anybody that may be praying the prayer line. Father God, in Jesus' name, I give you my life. Time's gone by. I've gone my own way. I've done my own thing. And I've lived for self. But today I turn and I repent of that old way of living. And I give you my life. I believe in my heart, Father. You raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, purify me and put a new heart within me I thank you Father God for not rejecting me but for receiving me unto yourself and into your family it's in Jesus name I pray amen Amen. God bless you if you would go with Mr. Jeff Hughes we're going to give you a book God's very own child If you're watching online and you prayed that prayer, you can contact us at FCCArlington.com salvation. Let us know about your decision. We'll send you a copy of the book I mentioned. We're giving these two young men God's very own child. If you need a Bible, <laughs> let us know. We're sending materials all the time. Anytime anybody asks us, you know, we send materials. Anytime we hear from somebody doing a Bible study in a prison, anywhere. We, we always give. And uh, we're able to do that because the Lord has blessed us. Every need's met, every bill's paid. And we're able to be generous on every occasion. Say, thank the Lord for it. Amen. Isn't the Lord wonderful this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.